the show you love with even more local, local news and more local talk. talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation as we are midweek in our conversations here and uh, so much appreciate you being part of that dialogue not a monologue but that dialogue so much uh, appreciate your comments and uh, your interaction as well 3 to 5 p.m here monday through friday on power talk 1360 KFIV just came from a a wonderful event. In fact, our uh, assistant producer and director of operations for Advancing Vibrant Communities, uh, Brenda, was there as well. Uh, Mission Greater Modesto, the uh, Greater Modesto Ministerial Association, we had the opportunity to honor one of our own today, uh, Pastor Ken and Wanda Sweat. Uh, Pastor Ken and Wanda, they are retiring from Modesto Foursquare Church after 32 years of service and serving our community. Uh, and they've been uh, good friends. I've just enjoyed knowing Ken over the years that I've been here. I've been here, what, 25, 6, 7 years, somewhere, uh, somewhere around there. Uh, and Ken has always just been a, a stand-up guy, a very solid and just a, a great contributing member of our community, very much into serving the community that he pastors. And in fact, uh, we'll have Pastor Ken here on the Mike Douglas Show to talk about his impressions of the changes in Modesto over the past 32 years that he's been here, share some insights with us. Again, he'll be with a second hour uh, this coming Friday. So again, congratulations to uh, Pastor Ken and Wanda Sweat. 32 years at Modesto Foursquare, they are uh, retiring, moving out to uh, uh, to the coast, and uh, they are they are going to uh, be uh, joining uh, in support of uh, his son-in-law and uh, and daughter, who have a church uh, out there as well. So, uh, looking uh, looking forward to the new chapter. On the other hand, we're sad to uh, sad to see him go. Now, and, and very appropriately, as we were honoring Pastor uh, Ken and his wife Wanda, there was a great presentation, by the way, from Fatima Ureno of Congressman Josh Harder's office. Wonderful presentation honoring the sweats. Also a, a nice proclamation from Mayor Zwallen and the Modesto City Council and from the uh, Stanislaus County Board of Supervisors as well. And we talk about 32 years. These days, three decades of a pastor staying at the same congregation is uh, unusual these days. But I, I do also want to recognize that uh, the opening prayer today for, for this time of honoring Pastor Ken and Wanda was offered by Pastor Ross Bryles of Sherwood Bible Church. This Sunday, Pastor Ross Bryles will celebrate 60 years of pastoring the same congregation. Six, zero, 60 years. That truly is uh, is amazing. And I, I'm blessed to be in the presence of men like this and, and to enjoy their fellowship. So anyway, our congratulations again to Pastor Ken and Wanda Sweat. We wish them the best as... Um, as they move on to a, a new chapter in uh, in their ministry. All right, uh, look, this uh, 
Student debt relief. That's that's all over the news, isn't it? Student loan forgiveness. And uh, President Biden is intent to do this. And uh, a, a lot of fur flying over this, by the way. Uh, and if you add up the cost of the student loan forgiveness, I'm not going to go too detailed into all of the equations here. But basically, it would cancel, I think, up to, what, maybe $10,000 of federal student loan debt uh, for many borrowers. Uh, there is a cap, though. Uh, if, if you make more than $125,000 a year, uh, you don't qualify. And let's see, what's it really going to cost? They're estimating it's going to cost around $300 billion, with a B, $300 billion for taxpayers. According to the recent analysis from the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, that would be wonderful, the $10,000 forgiveness plan would undermine the recently passed Inflation Reduction Act, which I think is inappropriately named. It's, it's not going to reduce inflation. Uh, anyway, it would undermine that by nearly 10 years of deficit reduction and wipe out disinflationary benefits. Even some Democrats are pushing back on this. The uh, the, uh, uh, NAACP, I believe, is even pushing back on this. So I'm not sure this is a real popular decision uh, for everyone. It it might be good for uh, the midterms, maybe. I'm sure it was a calculated risk. Uh, But anyway, student loan forgiveness. Let me ask. Here's something. Let's listen to this. Uh, Peter Ducey from Fox, was interviewing the uh, Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, uh, not too long ago, earlier today. Uh, let's listen in on this conversation. This, uh, this basically cuts to the chase. But just to, the final one on this. Sure. The people that already paid their student loans, right. they don't get anything out of this deal. Right. That's right. Okay. Okay, did you catch that? The people that already paid off their student loans, they don't get anything out of this deal, right? And the Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, said, right. Does this seem right to you? That the folks who worked very hard to pay off their student loans, they they get no benefit out of this? And those folks who haven't paid off their student loans, they do benefit. So what? Let's let's ask some questions here. Is it fair if if let's say you have a student loan? Maybe you have children, uh, adult children. Uh, maybe you have uh, grandchildren, great grandchildren, nieces, nephews, extended family. Do you think it's fair? If they have paid off their loans, that they don't benefit from this? Uh, They were conscientious. They worked hard. Probably, like us, two or three three jobs, probably. My wife and I worked two or three jobs, and and we helped our uh, children with their student loans. And uh, we don't qualify under this, by the way, so I'm not speaking as one who is going to benefit from this. Is it fair if you've already paid off student loans, is it fair to you, this particular loan forgiveness plan by the president? And for all of us, 
Uh, and this includes all of us that pay our taxes. Is it fair to us to have to pay for other people's college loans? Do you think that's appropriate? You say, well, the, the loans are so high. Well, I, I think part of the reason for the loans being so high is that there's this, this uh, dynamic relationship between the federal government and colleges and universities that accept federal funds. And they feed off of each other. And colleges and universities can jack up their fees because the federal government is there to pay them. Well, it's not really the federal government that's paying them, is it? Who's really paying for them? I'm, I'm seeing hands go up already. Yes, you, you, and, uh, you and I. We are the ones that, uh, that are paying for it. So what do you think? Is it, is it fair if, if you or your kids or grandkids have paid off their loans? Is this fair to them? And is it fair for us to pay for other people's college loans. A couple of more details uh, on this. Uh, Democratic economists like Larry Summers, former Democratic Treasury Secretary, has said it will increase inflation and add to the federal deficit. And of course, Republican lawmakers, uh, they're, they're not in favor of it, arguing that it offers uh, unnecessary subsidies to Americans who made their own decisions. Previous estimates, they're saying, have found that canceling $10,000 in student debt per borrower could cost the federal government roughly $230 billion with a B, and some saying maybe closer to $300 billion. Brian Reddy, R-I-E-D-I, is a political analyst at the Manhattan Institute. He says canceling student debt is expensive, it's inflationary and unfair to those who paid their student loans and most likely illegal. It does nothing to prevent universities from raising costs and students from borrowing more money in anticipation of future loan forgiveness. Now, it, if, if you're going to benefit from it, I'm sure you're for it. And but but the question is, is this fair to everyone involved? Ought, ought we to be paying for other people's student loans? And what about those who've already paid their loans? Is this really fair to them? Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Let's find out what you think about it in three minutes as the Mike Douglas Show continues here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. A pastor with passion, a minister with manners. Now back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV talking about student loan forgiveness. Is it fair if you've paid off your loans? Is this fair to you because you don't get any money or... Is it fair for you and me to pay for other people's college loans? 209-551-3483. Lots of phone calls coming in. Uh, Let's get right to it. Uh, Nick from uh, Modesto, welcome to the show. What are your thoughts about the student loan issue? Well, you know, you say, is it fair? Well, is it right? No, it's not right. Um, You know, what you're doing is, 
creating a, a bigger problem here, and that's you're, you're, you're teaching young people or young adults not to be responsible for their actions. Um, you know, you take out a student loan, or you, like any loan, and you sign your name to it, you're responsible for that debt. For the government to come in to bail you out on that, uh, what are you learning out of that? that that's a real bad uh, example of teaching personal responsibility and making right choices. That's my take from it. The other part is, what's $10,000 on a $100,000 loan? It sounds more like a gimmick to me. I mean, $10,000 is a, not even a dent. on, on a, Most student loans are, are in the six figures. And it's number three, it's like everything else we hear on, on the radio programs. For an example, if you there's a uh, an ad that's played on the radio that if you have five or more employees, we can get you $26,000 per employee of COVID money. And if you don't pay your taxes, no worries. Give us a call. We'll help you. You don't have to pay your taxes. So there's just a whole segment of things that are just not right. And this is just added to it. Yeah, Nick, I, I think you make a great point. It, it really, and, and you, you've explained it well in, in two different ways. One is, uh, it, it is, is, it's not healthy, it's not right uh, to teach that you don't have to honor a loan when you sign for it. Uh, and, and I think you're, uh, I, I come alongside you on that. I do agree with you. $10,000 is a pretty small uh, percentage of what student, loan, uh, student loans normally are. And, and I think the whole issue of learning how to be responsible uh, with your finances and how to be a responsible citizen, uh, Nick, all plays into that. Great points, Nick. Thanks for your call. Uh, good, good, good points there. Let's uh, continue uh, with the phone calls 209 551 3483, talking about student loan forgiveness. Let's check in with uh, Debbie from Stanislaus. Debbie, what's your, uh, what's your view on this? Well, first of all, thank you for taking my call, Mike. And nextly, second, Nick is amazing. He hit a lot of very, very poignant areas. Everyone needs to listen, take it in, and take it seriously. But I've got one big one. In fact, I've got more than one big one. I want everybody to do their history and go all the way back to Mr. Clinton, who was president, you know, that he didn't have any sexual behavior with that young lady and blah, 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 blah. Well, there's a lot more to that. The illegal immigration has been going on in this country all the way back to there, deliberately, not by accident. So I asked the question a long time ago, and nobody had an answer for me, so maybe the audience will here on your program. Where did did these people think they were going to get the money for the illegals that came in here and didn't have to be responsible for anything? Do you remember any of that history, Mike? So we're paying all of their bills, all of their charges, their housing, their food, their medical, everything that touches them, their clothing, all of it. And not one American citizen ever stopped to think about, well, I wonder where they're going to get all that money. There's not enough taxes if we paid double taxes back. And this has been going on for that many decades? And then if we do our history, we will find out that our biggest enemy has been the Democrat establishment. But we have to do our homework. That's why they're taking out our history from all the books. 
Do all of you remember this? It's been going on for quite a while. Now, there's several other issues, but I can't do them all in one time. That's not fair to the other people that call in. This situation on the college tuition getting the $10,000, blah, 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 if you make under blah, 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 doesn't anybody realize this is just an agenda that they pull every time they're in office? It's political. Remember that? Yeah, Everything Debbie, I, the Democrat I think I think you hit the nail on the head, and, and it, it's come up a couple of times in your call here, and that is it's a political issue. And I think a lot of people are feeling this is less uh, kindness out of the president's clavicle than it is a political issue. As Nick pointed out, Debbie, $10,000 is really a drop in the bucket when you look at at what what the fees are to go to a a college or a university today. So I I, I think you're on a good track there, Debbie. Uh, I do believe this is a political issue because, uh, and and Nick pointed that earlier as as well, and, and you hit it too, and that is it doesn't make a whole lot of sense financially. Uh, it, it really is not helping, really, uh, a lot of people. And a lot of people who have uh, already paid off their loans, what is it teaching everyone? What is it teaching them? And uh, so anyway, good, uh, good thoughts there. Uh, let's go very quickly to uh, Bill from Stockton. Bill, we got about a minute or two. What are your thoughts about the student loans? Hi, Mike. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, you know, I'll make it quick. Um, as far as things being fair, uh, you know, it's all about timing. If you go and buy furniture and, you know, and then six months later the furniture goes on sale and somebody else buys it, well, you're out of luck. So fair is, you know, it's all about timing in that respect. And as far as, you know, as far as this $10,000, you know, giving it to, to them, to the, the kids who, who have these loans, I mean, it, it, it's political. I mean, like, like the last caller, Debbie, I mean, he's just, he's just trying to, to get a little favor for the democratic party. And, and I mean, his ratings for them are so far down the toilet. It's, it's pathetic. He's, he's just trying to, trying to help, help their party out and make them look like some shining star when too much damage, damage has been done already. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's terrible what's happening. I agree, uh, Bill. Uh, I think I think all the callers thus far, there's a common theme there that this really sounds, acts like it's really a political uh, issue, uh, n- not so much uh, fair. And and I I think that's probably a good observation because <laughs> we often taught our kids, Bill, life's not fair. It is not fair. Not going to be fair. Learn to live with it. Uh, but no. you know, we did want to teach them what's right. And I think uh, you and, and uh, Debbie and, and uh, Nick uh, have underscored the fact that what we're dealing with here is an issue of, of righteousness, of, of what it means to be a good citizen, what it means to handle your money well. And uh, again, when you sign a loan, that means your name's on it. You are promising to repay it. And what are we teaching uh, our young people. We're teaching them, well, maybe not. Maybe I can just sign my name to it and uh, someone will uh, will forgive it. I won't have to pay it. I don't think that's good training. Bill, 
Thanks for the call. Good uh, good points there, all of you. Appreciate, uh, appreciate you calling in. We'll continue uh, the Mike Douglas Show in five minutes after news, weather, and traffic right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. He's got issues. Let's talk about it. The Mike Douglas Show, on air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation. And the conversation right now is swirling around President Biden and his proposal, uh, his idea of student loan forgiveness. I've been waiting for this call coming up uh, because uh, I believe this caller is going to hit a major point underlying all of this. So let's get right to the phones, 209-551-3483. Greg from Riverbank. Greg, what are your thoughts on student loan forgiveness? I think if they do this, they should all go to jail. Why is it legal for them to use my money to pay off somebody else's contract. I didn't sign the contract. Exactly. And Greg, there is a huge question about whether the president can legally do this at all. Yeah, and by, and basically they're just doing it to buy votes. And they should it should be illegal to buy votes with my money. And that's exactly what they're doing. I, uh, I agree with you uh, 100%. See here, and, and Greg, here's the issue. Here's the, the legal issue involved as I understand it. The president can spend money that has been allocated by Congress. Congress has not done anything that relates to his idea here. And so the president essentially is saying that he is spending money that Congress has not yet authorized. Now, Congress may or may not do that, but at this point, as I understand it, this is a, this is an Ill, illegal spending of uh, tax dollars to the tune of, what, almost $300 billion. Uh, Greg, I, I and, and the question is, Greg, and let me get your, your thoughts on this very quickly. We, we have seen the Biden administration do a lot of things that are questionable. They don't seem to care. Do they? They they don't seem to care, and it seems like no one's willing to hold them accountable. Well, why should they care? The Justice Department isn't going to do anything. We've already, um, you know, proven that there's a two-tier justice system, and the Democrats can get away with anything they want, up to and including murder. Yeah. So I. <laughs> and I just don't. I think and I don't think there's anybody in the Republican Party that has the spine or the testicular fortitude to actually get out there and call them on the carpet for them and to actually press charges for order to start lawsuits that will actually go through. I, I don't think there are either. Uh, I think, look at, for example, Mitch McConnell. Is Mitch McConnell going to press this issue? I doubt it. I really yeah, doubt he's it. A Dem- he's a Democrat. Yeah, you know, he, I, I'm not there's sure. There's nothing Republican about Mitch McConnell. I, I'm not sure what he is. He he mystifies me in some ways. 
Listen, Greg, uh, good point, excellent point there. I've been waiting for someone to call and ask that question, and uh, you did that very well. Greg from Riverbank, the city of action, by the way, Riverbank, California, uh, pointing out, uh, look, it's, in his mind, illegal uh, from two perspectives. One is uh, Greg and I didn't sign our names to uh, somebody else's student loan. Why are we being forced to repay it? We shouldn't be. That's illegal. And the second issue of legality is the president is spending money that Congress has not authorized yet. It's not part of the bill that they just, uh, and I'm not calling it the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. That, that's, a, that's a false title. It, it's not. And he, even, even many d- Democrats, Democrat leaders, and I believe uh, the uh, NAACP as well has come out and said, this is not, this is not something that's good. And so I'm not sure who is advising the president on this, I, uh, other than um, his, his own kitchen cabinet, so to speak, and, and uh, Ron Flame and all that. But I, 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 I'm just mystified, and I'm, I'm really, really disappointed that our Justice Department is so partisan that they aren't even coming out and making a public statement that, no, this, this can't be done. We have three branches of government for a purpose. We have the executive branch, that's uh, President Biden in the White House. We have the legislative branch, that's consisting of the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate. And then we have the judicial branch. And at the top of that food chain is the uh, Supreme Court of the United States. I don't see any of the other branches standing up and saying, nope, not going to do it. Now, I, I can understand the Supreme Court because basically the Supreme Court doesn't comment on things that haven't, uh, have not been brought before it. So I guess I can understand that in, in some way. But don't you think some ju- Department of Justice official could walk in to the White House, who, someone who has the president's ear, or at least his advisor's ear, and say, this is, you can't legally do that. Maybe they did. And maybe President Biden says, I don't care. We're going to do it anyway. Or maybe his advisor said that for him. I don't know. I'm, I'm just wondering, but it's discouraging to me. And and this is why, this is why it is so important that we vote with conviction. We vote with knowledge come November 8, 2022, and then again in November 2024. It begins, really, the, the pushback obviously is not going to happen from the mass media. That's the fourth estate. The mass media is not doing its job. It, it's not functioning in that adversarial role, is it? I mean, you get little tiny blips here and there, but, but nothing major. Uh, we, we don't hear anything, any pushbacks from uh, the judicial branch. We don't get any pushbacks from uh, the, uh, the law enforcement branch. I, I'm, it, it's discouraging. However... Look at Florida. Look at Florida the past 24 hours or so. Look at how significant school boards got flipped. Did you see that? 
Miami-Dade School Board got flipped. It's now essentially mostly conservative. And also in uh, Martin County, Clay County, Sarasota County, and Duval County in Florida as well. It can be done. Let's go back to the phones, 209-551-3483. We're getting your viewpoints on the student loan forgiveness plan uh, that is uh, part of uh, President Biden's agenda now. Our number, 209-551-3483. Back to the phones to uh, Dan from Oakdale. Hi, Dan. What are your thoughts on this today? Well, I was listening to your show on the way home, and I uh, there's nothing right about any of this as, as far as I'm concerned, but I started thinking about the the theory and I hadn't heard it before, but what do you think about the whole so, uh, socialist agenda and the redistribution of wealth? And it just, it kind of makes a little sense when you think about it too. You know, if you don't qualify, if you don't make a, under $125,000, I don't know. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Dan, I think that's a pretty uh, perceptive comment. Uh, I I can't prove it, but I would say uh, underlying themes there of power and control uh, to be able to control part of the population by saying we are going to take your money and redistribute it to the other people that Mm -hmm. we feel should have it, whether it is equitable or not, whether it is right or not, that's what we're going to do. And then to the people who are receiving the benefit of that, they become indebted to the government. And so they, mm-hmm. they become obligated. And, and I, I, you know, one or two callers or a couple have pointed out this is probably something about buying votes, uh, so to speak. And again, well, yeah. the ten, it, it's insignificant, Dan. The $10,000 really is a drop in the bucket when you look at what, what student loans uh, are, and, and university and college fees are today. So, uh, Dan, I, I like your thought. I think it fits in with the whole socialist and, and Marxist philosophy of redistribution of wealth and controlling people. And basically, eventually, the goal is, and and look at history, we need not to look too far, look at Venezuela and, and other examples. Look what happens when the government becomes your godfather. You become a serf, sure. right? Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Dan, great, great point. Appreciate uh, appreciate your call. Dan from Oakdale pointing out, oh, this fits right in with a, a socialist agenda, with with a Marxist ethic, in order to uh, be make people beholden to you, uh, to give the government control over things, and uh, and I I usually I started out our conversation uh, using the word fair, and I agree that was not the word to use. And so I, I'm going to uh, I'm going to say yes. All of you callers are correct. It's not about fairness; it's about right or wrong. And as one caller pointed out, it is about. And I think it was uh, Nick. Uh, I think it's about teaching our young people, teaching uh, the the, univ- the uh, generations coming up, what it means to be responsible, what it means to manage your money well. And what we're teaching them is not to manage their money well. What we're teaching them is not to have honesty, not to have integrity. 
to sign your name saying you promise to repay this loan on the bet that eventually the government will come to your rescue and you won't have to repay it, that other citizens who uh, may make more than you do are going to have to pay uh, for your loan or whatever it might be. It's not right. It is not right. So I, I agree. It's a, it's a matter of right or wrong, uh, right, right and wrong, and it is a matter of teaching our upcoming generations to be dysfunctional. It's programming them, not just teaching them, but programming them to be dysfunctional. All right, our phone number here, 209-551-3483. Mike Douglas here, your conversation, your concierge for conversation, and we'll continue that conversation coming up in three minutes on The Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. With the big news of the day, here's more of The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And the conversation continues here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV, talking about the president's plan for loan forgiveness. Our number here, 209-551-3483. Let's continue the conversation with John from Brentwood. John, what are your thoughts? Well, Mike, I think it's right on both counts. It definitely is a question of right or wrong, but should this become law, which I probably believe it's going to eventually, then it becomes a question of fairness and not right or wrong anymore. It was still wrong to pass it, but once it's into law, then it's a question of fairness. It pays off if you make up to a certain amount and only if the loans were government loans, not personal loans. So if you took out personal loans to pay for your college education, too bad, sorry for you. If you took out, if, if you paid as a, as a parent, paid for your kid's education, and took out loans to do it, or even if you just paid for it out of your pocket, too bad, you don't get anything either. So it becomes a question of fairness once it becomes law. That's a good point. Uh, that's a good point, John. Do you think, and, and I, I think a lot of things uh, play into this question I'm going to ask you here. Do you think Congress will approve this? Um, I'm not sure what the vote threshold has to be, but with the the Democrats in power and wanting to minimize the landslide in November, I say, yes, they probably will. And I believe they will try and get it done ASAP. I, I, like think... I, said, I don't know what the vote threshold has to be. I don't know if it's, just a, if it's just a simple majority, if it has to be a certain percentage. With a little bit of luck, it has to be a certain percentage. You know, Republicans will vote for it and they may not get it through. But I have a feeling it's going to pass. Uh, that that's my sense as well. Uh, I think they're politically going to have to come behind the president, and they'll probably tweak it. I think I, I don't know that it would pass in the form that it is right now. I, I'm, my suspicions are they'll tweak it somehow, uh, but in the end, uh, I think because the Democratic Party tends to to stick together. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to uh, to see that happen. Uh, John, great call. Thank you very much. And uh, John making a good point here. Uh, again, at, at the point that this proposal uh, or this uh, dicta by President Biden becomes uh, entrenched in the budget and the Congress may pass a budget to uh, support this, then it, it now it's legal. What are we left with? It, it's it is it fair uh, 
And I again, I think it's, and I know this term is just worn out. It's not equitable. And and the the meaning of something being equitable has changed as well. So that's that's an issue. But I think there are so many things that play into this, uh, from from teaching our our uh, upcoming generations to be irresponsible. That that's we're. And, and for more than just teaching them, we're programming them that way. We are programming them from the get-go, from the beginning of, of their time of being productive citizens, uh, the, getting out of college and, and putting hopefully putting their, uh, their degrees to work. We're teaching them from the get-go to be irresponsible. That signing your name on the, on the line saying that I'm going to repay this loan really doesn't mean anything. It's it's squishy. It's like grabbing Jello. It it really doesn't uh, it doesn't mean anything, and so I, uh, I I'm afraid that a, a lot of this is is not going to end well. Uh, but it will be interesting to see what Congress does with this. I I think they're worried about the uh, they're worried about the president's approval ratings. They're worried about the midterms that aren't too far away in November 2022. And it's very interesting, this whole issue of uh, the student loan debt, because all the puzzle pieces are fitting in. In fact, after the top of the hour, we're going to have a very, very interesting interview. You've, you've heard, you've seen, we've discussed it here on the Mike Douglas Show many times, how uh, public school boards, public school officials, teachers, administrators, etc., not all, but across the nation, are trying to program our kids that they're, they, they can be gender fluid at five, six, seven years old. They're, they're teaching them that they're not who they really are. Uh, many people who are steeped in the Judeo-Christian ethic are worried about the fact that the schools are intentionally deprogramming their children from what they're taught at home in order to program them for what the local educational system wants them to believe, which is oftentimes 180 degrees opposite. In fact, there was a recent survey, and we'll talk about that right after uh, after the top of the hour, that uh, 43% of Christian parents are concerned about how their faith is depicted in their children's education. 43% say it no longer reflects their views. 66% have doubts about the education itself. Is it a quality education? 66% saying, we don't think so, and 44% are saying, I'm not likely to enroll my children uh, in public school. We're going to put them into uh, an alternative, like a virtual school. Uh, So this is very, very interesting. I I think the pushback is now coming. Uh, The school boards, the education system has vilified parents. They've weaponized the FBI against parents. We've seen that. That's not conjecture anymore. We've seen that happen. And now I think parents are beginning to push back. And they're pushing back by saying, well, fine, if your public school system that we have to pay for is going to deprogram our children and program them in a different way, why, we're out of here. And we're going to look at alternatives. And so after the top of the hour, we're going to uh, talk about 
alternatives. I think you're going to find this very interesting. Our, our guest is going to be Chuck Wolf, and uh, he represents uh, faith academics and uh, a, really a, a mission here to uh, give parents an option. I think many parents feel that they don't have an option. And it, it gets very, very frustrating when our tax dollars have to support issues and philosophies that are 180 degrees away from what we're teaching our children at home. Now, is that in every public school? No, but we've seen enough of it that it's a rampant problem. I would say it's a spiritual pandemic across the United States of America that anti-Judeo-Christian values are assaulting our children on a regular basis in many public school venues. So the question then becomes, what do we do about it? What do we do about it? Well, we're going to find out. Right after the top of the hour, again, Chuck Wolf will be our guest. Uh, encourage you to hang on. This is going to be a fascinating interview. It'll give you some ideas of tools you can use as well. That's all when the Mike Douglas Show continues in five minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The show you love, talking about the issues that are important to you. The voice of the valley, the Mike Douglas Show. Now every weekday from three till five, on air and online. Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. Here again is your host Mike Douglas, and welcome to our number two of the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation as we get our number two going fascinating time we're going to have here in just a moment. Our guest is Chuck Wolf. He is the founder and the chief executive officer of Faith Academics. Uh, Chuck has quite a history. He's been a very successful lawyer, a equally successful educator. And as we look at the landscape across the United States of America and some of the atrocious things that are happening in public education, uh, a lot of us are scratching our heads or maybe beating our heads against the wall saying, what can be done? Well, let's find out. Chuck Wolf, welcome to the Mike Douglas Show. Thanks for uh, carving out time to be with us today. Well, hello, Mike. Thank you for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be with you. Chuck, let's start with uh, the survey that uh, you have done. You're, you're looking at it. looks like a lot of parents who are worried about the Judeo-Christian ethics they've been teaching their children are not being reinforced. In fact, uh, the opposite is occurring in a lot of public education. Let's talk briefly about the survey results and the main things that you've learned from that. Sure. Um you know, I, I think this was an interesting time to do the survey coming off the pandemic um, and to really try to, to get a good pulse of, of what parents were thinking about um, their education because it was a time where everybody went home and actually uh, gave parents a chance to have a, a window view into the education that their children were getting. And to be honest, Mike, I think they were horrified. Um, you know, they looked through that window and they, they kind of saw a crime scene that their education uh, had been stolen from their children in, in many different ways. And, um, and, and I think that's in, in two particular areas. One is 
just around the quality of their education. Um, you know, values aside for a moment, just looking at what their kids are learning and how they're being taught and are they getting just the basics of academic learning. And as you said, two-thirds of, of the Christian parents surveyed um, don't believe that their kids are getting um, the base quality of, of academic um, opportunity that they need in, in their school setting. Um, but then on top of that, they, they look at what is happening um, in the whole of the school experience, and um, they are not seeing their personal values, uh, those values of the Judeo-Christian um, worldview that uh, has really served this country well um, since its inception. Um, those have seemed to have disappeared or are rapidly evaporating in many schools, and it has them looking at other options. Chuck, as we as we look at this, and, and you've, uh, again, been in, in law very successfully, you've been in the education system, I'm thinking back <laughs> being in elementary school and the uh, in my case, the 1960s, growing up in uh, northwest Pasadena in a very multi-ethnic school uh, system. And I, I never felt that the, the Judeo-Christian ethics I had been brought up with uh, were being attacked at all at that point. In fact, uh, there was a lot of reinforcement of it. Do you have any idea, in your opinion, when did the shift occur? When did public schools uh, begin to be anti-Christian uh, ethics, and w- when did that uh, animosity begin to arise? Well, that's a, that's a good question, Mike. You know, I, I don't think there's any one particular moment, um, though it, it is interesting that we've, we've come full circle on the Roe v. Wade issue mm-hmm. in, in some respects. Um, and, you know, but that was an example of where um, we we started focusing uh, on the individual and um, everyone wanted their kind of individual rights and um, you know it's, it's been it's been a slow fade there used to be a really close connection um, within community between even churches and schools and, and government um, you saw a lot of intersection in those areas and everything just, you know, started getting separated and and pushed to their own place. And, um, and I think that's kind of where you, you saw some of that um, starting to, to occur over the last couple of decades. It's, it's really challenging. So I talk to a lot of people and they say, you know, that even, even younger individuals in in, say their mid thirties, we can look back 20 years to when they were in high school and they look at what's happening now and, and they see a completely different landscape. Absolutely. For them, maybe a little, absolutely a little rapid and acceleration. So Chuck, let's, uh, let, let's move on now to alternatives. We've identified the problem pretty well and, and you have come up with uh, a, a very effective answer to this. Uh, called Faith Academics. Talk about why you founded that, what it's doing, and how it's an alternative to a lot of these public school system woes. Sure, Mike. You know, so for the last 14 years, I had actually worked with um, a, a large company um, called Stride K-12, which does online education, and most of their work is in the public school space. And, 
has been very successful around the country in providing alternative education on the public side of things. Um, the online virtual learning model kind of sits there with the charter school movement as being the two main disruptors to uh, the traditional model. And in the course of my work with them, where I helped launch one statewide school and was the head of school for another program and then spent nine years actually as vice president of school development creating new programs around the country, what I really learned to, to understand and embrace was the value of this program for those families and students that really needed that option. But in the course of that time, I, I had so many teachers who were Christians in that model and so many families of faith who would actually enroll that it, it made me realize um, that this, this individualized learning model could be dynamic if it were in a Christian environment, in a Christian setting. And so um, God just kind of put on my heart um, over the course of the, of the pandemic that now was the time. And, and as you said, there's kind of a perfect storm there of, of kids coming home and learning about what it looks like to learn at home. And some people really enjoyed that. Um, what they experienced maybe was not very good uh, in how it was provided to them. But what they found is that they were less stressed, more focused, more efficient. They could have more time as a family, that the actual learning process was a little bit um, more condensed for them. And, and then you have more families working at home now, um, you know, post-pandemic. And then the third element is, as you mentioned, this just this rise of craziness that's happening in the public systems where there's just so much focus on some of these social issues that um, are, seem to take precedent over just the learning process and um, parents are just shaking their heads and saying they want something different. So I, I went to my company and said, hey, I've got this vision to create a network of online Christian schools. And, um, I know I've got to leave my position with you, but uh, I'm still going to partner with them to create the infrastructure and the, and the, uh, and the overall programming around this. And so we, we think this is a great solution for those families, one, that, that want access to Christian education, but maybe they don't have a Christian school in their, in their area or they're too far away, or a lot of Christian schools now are at capacity and, and have waiting lists where they're too expensive. Um, um, and so our desire is to create these schools. Uh, it's called Faith Prep Academy, and, and then it's grades K through 12. Um, it's across the country, but in some states, we have state-branded programs, and California is an example. We have Faith Prep California in partnership with the Rock Academy in San Diego. And, and our focus, um, Mike, is three areas. It's, uh, we want to help kids pursue academic excellence, getting a really strong core knowledge education, being taught by Christian teachers who can bring in that biblical integration and Christian worldview into the learning process, but, but not forsake academics or the sense of um, their, their faith, but to have that be a, a solid base. But then, as equally important on top of that, help them build Christian character and um, focus on life preparation to discover their gifts, talents, and purpose for whatever it is that God's calling them to, to be and do as they, as they leave school and go into that next 
next chapter of life. And we think if we can focus on those things of, of strong academics, really building character through some unique tools and, and programs that we have and, and really helping kids understand what their calling in life is, um, that that is a, uh, a tremendous educational opportunity for students. Chuck, uh, and, and this is not a, not a critical question at all, but, but it, I know we have a lot of listeners uh, who are, are Jewish. We have uh, listeners of other faiths. Is, is there an opportunity for them to take advantage of this as well, or is this basically just for a, a, a Christian audience, so to speak? Well, we, we're developing this as, as, a, um, as a program that is designed around Christian values, but we don't, um, we don't require anyone to sign um, anything as to a particular um, denominational or Christian faith. I mean, we welcome anyone who wants to enroll, um, but it is structured and developed uh, around Christian, Christian values. Um, and, but we, we think that, you know, even those, the, the moral underpinnings, obviously that, that come out of the Christian faith are, are valuable to individuals. Like for example, in our focus on character development, we, you know, we believe that everyone's made in the image of God, that there's, um, opportunity for them to, um, be their best self of, of who they are. And I think a lot of faiths embrace that and, um, we, our character program really focuses uh, on, you know, developing that acute self-awareness and managing their emotions and understanding, you know, who they are as a person with all of these, these uh, gifts within them um, to be able to um, have those fully developed to, to go out and be a productive um, citizen in society. So we, we welcome all. Um, but we we do approach this uh, primarily from a Christian perspective. Well, and I think that's healthy uh, that folks know that up front. I'm just thinking a, a lot of people send uh, children or have sent children to parochial parochial schools, uh, understanding they they may not be of the same uh, passion or the same faith, but they want the tenets. They, they want the character issues from that. Uh, Chuck, great answer to that. Thank you for tra- your transparency there. I'm looking at the website. Ha- do I have this right? Faithprepacademy.com. Is that right? Yeah, that's the website for the national school. Um, and um, people can go to faithprepcalifornia.com and see about the California program. It's the exact same program. So it doesn't, doesn't matter if you're in Nevada or California, um, if you're in Florida, Indiana. Um, it's, we're operating as an identical program with a national leadership team and administrative team and a great set of teachers to, to serve our students across the country. And um, but that's where they can get get more information and and see if this is potentially a, an option um, that that fits their needs and. Um, we're, we're excited about where this is going to go and um, how it's going to grow. Again, uh, for those of us here in, in California, it's Faith Prep, P-R-E-P, faithprepcalifornia.com. Uh, Chuck Wolf, thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, got about 30 seconds left. Anything you'd like to let our listeners know before we sign off? 
No, I would I would just say that you know even though we are a tuition based private school where where you know our tuition rates are less than what the you know average Christian school is around the country and um, if you're really wanting your your student to get a core solid academic experience but really focus on that unique character development and life preparation we have early college programs they can get college credit we've got career programming they can. Um, do some really interesting things within within our program that focuses on them as an individual uh, to prepare them for life. We would love to have them join the Faith Prep family. Chuck Wolf, our guest from Faith Academics, and uh, for those of us in California, Faith Prep California, faithprepcalifornia.com. Chuck, thanks so much for carving out time for us today. We really appreciate it, and uh, and blessings upon you as you forge ahead with good alternatives. Thanks for spending time with us today. Well, thank you. God bless. All right, Chuck. Thanks so much. Chuck Wolf, again, of in interesting alternatives, aren't they? And we'll talk about it, your reactions to what you heard uh, coming up in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV, our phone number 209-551-3483. Back in three minutes. On air and online, take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio app. Search 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Interesting uh, talk with Chuck Wolf as we uh, spoke about alternatives uh, to public school education. And I, I do want to say this. And, and I want to underscore it, and I want to speak uh, directly to those of you in public education. Both my parents were public school teachers uh, for 40 years or more. My sister is in public education. She's a, public ed, uh, she's a teacher in, in uh, first grade, uh, has been for uh, 25 years or so, and uh, there are friends of mine. There are those of you, some of you who are callers, who are in the public education system. In no way is this discussion, in my mind, a slap against you at all. We honor you, we affirm you, and we're glad you're there. We are glad that there are people with integrity and honesty and common sense uh, who believe in teaching truth, who believe in teaching history as uh, history is, not a nuanced history. Uh, we believe in those of you who carry a Judeo-Christian ethic, and uh, without being preachy about it, you model those ethics in the public school system. That is very necessary, and so I just want to say we honor you. We're glad you are there. We are glad you were there. I'm also glad there are alternatives. Alternatives are good. And I think in, in many ways this may speak to school boards and public school systems. It may speak to uh, education superintendents at state levels. I think, and this is my personal opinion, I think that the Federal Department of Education needs to be done away with. I am not a big government person. Again, I spent... Uh, about a quarter of a century serving in government in various different ways. I understand how government works, and I am a big fan of smaller government, not increasingly larger government. 
And I think the Department of Education on the federal level is something that needs to be cut out of the budget. Uh, It needs to be disbanded and never brought back again. Just my personal opinion. Uh, Those federal dollars are intoxicating (laughs) and they carry um, they carry strings. And in many times, local school boards, and those of you who serve on local school boards, I believe you understand this, and you can probably underscore this. Your, your hands are tied in many, many ways if your school district accepts funds for average daily attendance. It may come through the state, but there are federal dollars often tied to that, and, and the states uh, often have very stringent rules attached to that about about what you can teach, what you cannot teach. And the problem is the funding. If it weren't for the funding, I think many school uh, boards might make different decisions, but their hands are tied if they want the funds. And this is how big government works. If you want the benefit of our dollars, then you have to do what we say. It's not really about freedom. A caller admonished me the other day when I talked about a free country, and he said, it's not free. First of all, we have confiscatory taxation, and look at all the ways that we are controlled by government. I I agree. Uh, The target is having freedoms uh, that, that we are supposed to have via the Constitution that were articulated in the Declaration of Independence and certainly freedoms that are added uh, in the Bill of Rights. They're under attack, which is why it is so important that we stand up, we research, we understand what we're voting for in not too many months, in November 2022, on November 8th, and again, of course, the big presidential election in November 2024. And it's important to look at alternatives and listen to alternative points of view so we can make sure that we have looked at every angle possible when we go to the voting booth. All right, no voting booth. I know it's mail-in ballots. All right, we'll be uh, talking more about what's on your mind coming up on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIB, back in five minutes. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you every weekday from 3 till 5. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show this Wednesday afternoon. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Uh, thinking about, I'm still thinking about this uh, issue with uh, Mr. Paul Pelosi, uh, the uh, husband of the Speaker of the House, and uh, the sentence that he got for drunk driving. I want to compare that, and, and remember, he he was uh, sentenced to five days in jail. He got uh, actually spent two days. In jail, he got two days uh, off of that for good behavior, and he gets another day off of that to do uh, some kind of a uh, community service work project under court supervision. He has to pay uh, uh, some restitution and, and that sort of thing. But essentially, in terms of stuff that really hurts, he, he only spent two days and will only spend two days in jail, having already done that. Uh, of a five-day jail sentence. Now, remember, Paul Pelosi was careening down the road, drunk 
I don't know if you've seen the video, obviously drunk. He was careening down the road, very drunk, with, what, four to 5,000 pounds of engine and uh, accoutrements underneath him and crashed into someone else. The possibilities for a deadly outcome were there. Fortunately, they were not. Uh, neither he nor the person he crashed into uh, had fatal injuries and were, were thankful for that. But that's the sentence that he got. The potential of that drunk driving act could have been deadly. Now, compare that to this story. Here we go. Uh, last year, a man in uh, Ventura, he's from San Luis Obispo, 37 years old, He was in Ventura last year, and he walked into a private industrial area. And he starts apparently videoing people and live-streaming it on YouTube. So some of the business owners in this industrial area come up to the man and ask him to leave. What are are you doing? Would, Would you please leave? And his response was he pulled out some pepper spray and he pepper-sprayed one of them in the face. Well, on Monday, the jury found the man guilty of using tear gas, not in self-defense. I don't define pepper spray as tear gas, but I'm just going by the story here. Now, what sentence did he get? You may ask. 45 days in jail and a year on probation. 45 days in jail and a year on probation. For pepper spraying someone. Now, pepper spray is not deadly. It's annoying, for sure. It is not deadly. Pepper, it it is not a four to 5,000 pound car careening down the road with someone drunk at the helm. It's pepper spray. And so for spraying one of those business owners in the face, he got 45 days in jail. Paul Pelosi, in a far more deadly situation with four to 5,000 pounds of sedan under him, and was it a sedan or SUV? I don't remember. But anyway, he's careening down the road, and he only gets, he only has to spend two days in jail. Is that equitable to use that hackneyed word today? To me, it's selective enforcement. I'm wondering if Paul Pelosi pepper sprayed someone like that, if he'd get 45 days in jail. And I'm not saying this guy shouldn't get 45 days in jail. He assaulted someone with pepper spray. It's not a deadly weapon. It's annoying. That's what pepper spray is designed to do. If if you're attacked, it's designed to uh, at least temporarily stop and distract the person who's attacking you. But I, it's, I, I'm just looking at these two stories, and, and what do you think? If, if justice is blind, was there a just sentence here or was there selective enforcement of the law 
between the penalties for Paul Pelosi and the penalties for this man. Now, I do understand Paul Pelosi cut a plea deal. But let's look at the situations here. A guy that sprayed someone in the face, provoked them with pepper spray, is sentenced to 45 days in jail. Paul Pelosi, with that four to 5,000 pounds of car under him, smashed into someone else with the potential to kill both himself and the other person or seriously wound both, he gets a mere two days in jail. I don't get it. Well, I do get it. Justice isn't blind in the United States of America, sad to say. And those with power, those with influence, do get treated differently than you and I do who don't have power or influence. Or this, this guy, again, I'm, I'm not beefing the fact that he got 45 days in jail and a year on probation. I think he should to uh, have a provoked attack like that. I, I think that's a, that's a good sentence. But I'm, I'm just comparing that to the potential of fatalities that Paul Pelosi had, and I'm wondering... Where's the where's the equitable distribution of justice there? Do, do you feel do you, are you bothered by that at all? 209-551-3483 our number 209-551-3483. another note here uh, very quick as you know I check in on uh, Axios on a regular basis they're uh, one of the news outlets that I look at on a daily basis. Uh, I don't agree with them a lot. Sometimes I do, but I, I find it important to check out what Axios has to say. I find it very interesting, and I like their approach. It, it's basically, here's the issue, here's what we think about it, and uh, here's why it should matter to you. So I, I like their approach. And in a couple of minutes, I'm, I'm going to go over uh, four, is it four, point, four or five points that uh, they brought up uh, recently uh, regarding social media and uh, how how we need to ethically approach work these days. Five points. Let, let me start on this, and then we'll get to the phones in, in just a moment. Uh, number one, says the author here on Axios, remember, and, and really they're speaking to, uh, as Gen X, to upcoming generations, Remember that a job is a mother, among other things, a job. And he says, I'm paid to do a particular job well. That's my job number one. His second point is promotions aren't perennials, meaning we're not entitled to a raise every year. We're lucky to get pay raises a few times in, in our careers. There's uh, three more of these points. I'll I'll go over those with you in just a second. I want to get back to the phones. 209-551-3483. Talking about uh, selective enforcement, the uh, equitable distribution of justice. Let's check in with Tom from Stockton. Tom, what are your thoughts about Paul Pelosi versus this guy that pepper sprayed someone? Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. Uh, what I'd like to say is that, like you, I'm a uh, I'm former law enforcement officer also, and 
I'm as conservative as anybody can be, but here's my comment on Paul Pelosi. I do not like people that are being treated unfairly or unequally, either because of their status or lack thereof. I think Paul Pelosi was treated like any other uh, citizen would have been in the state of California. The sentence he got is very equitable to every other drunk driver I've ever arrested and went to court and prosecuted. Uh, so I don't think he got fair treatment. And then comparing him with somebody who pepper sprayed an individual, that that person took a an affirmative action, committed a battery using pepper spray against somebody else, and we don't know what his prior record was. His record may have been substantial. He may have had other prior assaults on other people. He got 45 days. The only comment, like I said, is I just wanted to point out that as a former law enforcement officer, I do not believe that the sentence that Paul Pelosi got was favorable treatment. I think he got treated just like you or I would have with a clean record and similar circumstances. That's it. Thank you. All right. Well, good, Tom. Thanks for your call. I appreciate that. So uh, Tom weighing in, a former law enforcement, saying in his experience, and uh, I'm, I'm guessing from listening to him, he's uh, probably had more recent experience in law enforcement than I have. Tom saying in his experience, he thinks that Paul Pelosi got a, a very just uh, sentence. And, uh, and going back to the guy who, who pepper sprayed, again, my beef is not that his sentence was that, that his sentence was too much. I, I agree the guy should have gotten 45 days in jail. Uh, for pepper spraying someone. So, Tom, thanks for your point of view. I appreciate that. Tom's saying, eh, I don't know. He says, in my experience, and he's uh, arrested uh, quite a few drunk drivers uh, over his career, he's saying, seems to him that for someone with a clean record and such, that Paul Pelosi got a fair deal on that. Again, we'll uh, we'll extend the invitation to you and, and your thoughts on that. Again, Tom, thanks for bringing up that point. Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Uh, going back just briefly to this Axios uh, article, uh, the, the third point the author made was, ask yourself, do I really need to tweet or TikTok every thought? I love that one. I know that the a lot of people live, and, and some people my age, in uh, mid, mid-60s, mid or beyond mid-60s, they live their life on social media, and that's okay, that's, that's their choice, but I think this is a good point, and uh, the author says, will this, and, and when he says this, he's meaning a, a post on social media, will this make the world a better or smarter place? My generation aged and grew with the Internet, but our instincts aren't to go public with every agitation or desire. And he says, the more you say, the harder it is for others to hear you when it truly matters. Mmm, I like that one. That's like crying wolf. The more you say, the harder it is for others to hear you when it truly matters. I like it. 
Our number here, 209-551-3483. Again, talking about uh, Paul Pelosi and uh, versus this guy who pepper sprayed someone. Let's get uh, some more thoughts on that from Steve from Modesto. Hi, Steve. Welcome. What are your thoughts? I don't think it matters if you're a Republican or a Democrat. I think when you're in politics, you can do whatever you want to do. It's like someone like Tim Murphy. Tim Murphy was head of the RNC a few years ago. He got his mistress pregnant and had an abortion. He's the head of the, of the chair saying that no abortions. Don't do that kind of stuff. You look at Pelosi getting her hair done, and we all have to sit in our houses. You look at Gavin Newsom eating at the French Laundry, all sit in our houses. You look at Ted Cruz uh, trying to take care of people in Texas when they have a climate change, and he flees to Mexico. These people do whatever they want to do. I don't know how anyone could be a Republican or a Democrat. I uh, I would I would say you're probably right, Steve. Uh, I think I would agree with that. Uh, uh, power, um, influence. The, 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 the hypocrisy I get between my friends that are Republicans and my friends that are Democrats is astounding. That they don't look at themselves in the mirror ever. They always point fingers, but they never. I can point out hypocrisies all day long for both parties. Well, absolutely, and I would not argue that point. Uh, and and so I think it's not a, it's not a, it's not a thing. It's, it's a political thing. It's not a him thing. It's just it's a political thing. It's we not, all sit around uh, and yell at each other. I'm sorry, I didn't. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't understand. Uh, it isn't a what thing. It's not a political thing. It, it's not a. It's a. It's a person. It's a political thing in terms of if you're a political icon or if you're a political person in this country, you can do what you want to do. They're all multimillionaires. They're all sponsored by lobbyists. While they get everyone else to chase at each other and yell at each other and get mad at each other, they're all millionaires. They're laughing at us. I call them WWE wrestlers. They play off each other to get the other side angry, and that's okay. what they do. And we all okay. fall. I don't fall for it, but everyone else seems to fall for it. Okay, I got it. I, I didn't understand that one word uh, in my earphone here. Sometimes it's uh, not the quality it should be. Okay. Yeah. Can you hear me better? Yeah. Thank, thank you for uh, thank you for clarifying that. Uh, and uh, Steve, uh, thanks for your call, Steve. Appreciate that. Steve bringing up a good point. And uh, on a lot of issues today, by the way, and I've, I've mentioned this before, I think in terms of our political landscape, we've moved beyond Democrat and Republican. We've moved now into what's righteous, what is honest, what exudes integrity versus hypocrisy, uh, Steve's word there. Uh, and and we, we, we do see that on both sides of the aisle. And so I, I, I would agree that this is not just a Democrat problem. It's not just a Republican uh, pro- problem. It's not an independent problem. Uh, it, it's a pervasive issue. And, and this is why I think that our, our, our ability to put new people in office is critical right now. I think a lot of Republicans, I think a lot of Democrats need to go been there way too long, amassed too much power, amassed too much money. And we do see hypocrisy on on both sides of the aisle. I would not argue that, uh, Steve, so I would agree with you uh, in that vein. So thanks for the call. I appreciate your thoughts there. Our number here, 209-551-3483. I'm going to overlay my worldview on this just for a moment uh, because ultimately in my opinion when all is said and done and and when you and I and I know some of you may not agree with this and that's fine but 
in my worldview, when you and I eventually are uh, judged by the great judge, it doesn't matter what our political perspective is. It doesn't matter what we did in our life in terms of our job. It doesn't matter how much money we made. It doesn't matter how much influence we had. Uh, ultimately, there, we will be judged according to our character, who we are, what we did with what we were given. And uh, the, the human ability to make that judgment is always going to be nuanced because we're human, because we all have filters, and that's just, uh, that's just the way it is. So on, on uh, overlaying my worldview on it, ultimately I think all things will be made right. The problem is uh, it's frustrating when we see hypocrisy rewarded uh, on this side of eternity, so, so to speak. And uh, I, I, again, I think we're beyond Republican and, and Democrat at this point. Uh, we have to look at the individual. Uh, are they honest? Do they have integrity? Do they have policies that we can align with? And by the way, I think in today's world, we can't expect a candidate to align 100% with our personal desires for policy. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, What we're asking for is a perfect candidate who matches our perfect litmus tests. And there aren't many, I don't believe. There are are some that we may prefer, and I I think on par what we have to look at is does this candidate or do these candidates match up to character issues that we like? Do they match up to policy issues that we think are productive or unproductive? Uh, Have they demonstrated, if they are an existing politician, what is their voting record? Have they voted in ways we think are productive or or we think they are uh, voted in ways that are destructive? That's what's important. And and to me, especially at this point in, in American history, the R or the D or the I or whatever the political affiliation is that follows the name, it doesn't mean much to me anymore. It really doesn't. I look at the individual. What do they stand for? That's what I want to know. All right, I want to finish out this Axios uh, article here. Uh, two more points to make. Uh, the and, and this person is speaking as a Gen X, and I don't like labels, but he identified himself as Gen X. He's saying, my personal views aren't university, uh, universally held. That's a good one. says, it's a big, wide world full of conflicting, complicated viewpoints. My views and your views are real and awesome, just not always shared by everyone. Sometimes people are silent because it's too exhausting to argue about hot topics or they're busy working. That's good. And then the final point uh, they make here is one disagreement does not a bad employer make? And uh, the justification for that statement is we judge an employer on the totality of the culture, mission, pay, benefits, decision-making opportunities, not on one thing you wish they did, said, or had. Until the last decade, we didn't even know what culture and mission meant. Uh, a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek uh, comment there. So anyway, I... Again, I don't always align with Axios. In fact, many times I I don't agree with them, but I find their perspectives interesting. All part of the process that I have of listening and reading 
um, news outlets and commentaries that I don't necessarily agree with, but I think it's important to listen. And uh, in terms of personal interaction, and I attempt to do this on the phones as well, and that is if you have an alternative viewpoint or one that is 180 degrees different than mine, I want you to tell me why. Because I'm curious why you believe that way. I may not agree with you, and that's fine. But we can walk away disagreeing without being disagreeable. That's not where our culture is today, is it? It's if you if you your viewpoints don't align with mine, you're gone. And uh, there, there are some other podcasts and radio shows where if you disagree, you're off the air pretty soon. The only reason you really get cut off here is if we're hitting a a break that I must take, or if there's profanity and then I cut you off. We hit the red button. And uh, you're you're out of commission. All right. Well, and again, and again I, I thank you for bringing perspectives, whether you agree or disagree. That's what this is for. That's why we're live and local. That's why I show up every day, three to five p.m. I can guarantee you, it's not for the compensation. Guarantee that it's for your thoughts, so that we can talk about these issues. That's so important. Well, we'll continue our conversations together tomorrow at three p.m. right here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thanks for listening today. Look forward to conversing with you tomorrow.